the sunshine, on the water so fine. Ooh, see the waves fall. Don't you know the wind's offshore? Don't you think it's time to raise a toast to the crafty beers of the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, crafty beers. Hello, Doppelback Drinkers, Barbarian Belters and Kulsh Kickers. I'm Paul Taylor and welcome to In Pursuit of Hoppiness. This is a podcast about craft beer on the Sunshine Coast. You know, as little as seven years ago, there were less than a handful of independent brewers on the coast. Now there are 20 and counting. Crafty beers. This week's episode involves a bloke, a van and a dream filled with craft beer. Josh Donahoe is from Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours. He is that man with the van. Actually, he's a man with four vans now, and he can get his hands on a bus too if you need it. He's been involved in the Sunshine Coast craft beer scene for longer than most of the brewers, so he really has seen some changes over the past decade or so. He's, he's a good bloke. It's a good chat. Of course it is. He's a tour operator. He's got the gift of the gab. Could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. Talk a gate off a hinge. You know what I mean. He is the unofficial Sunshine Coast craft beer ambassador. This is me and Josh Donahoe from Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours. We are in pursuit of hoppiness. Josh, how did you end up on the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, good question. I made the move about seven years ago from Sydney. I uh, wasn't really sure what I was going to do when I got up here, but running a brewery tour probably wasn't on the radar. There was a brewery here, Sunshine Coast Brewery out at Cunder Park, but I started a bespoke tour company up here to showcase the region. Now, that uh, that company, Creative Tours, wasn't really focusing on beer. Ah. But as the breweries started to emerge or rumours of them emerging, that just flickered something inside me because I've, I've got a big passion for beer. I've always sourced out local beer when I've travelled. Uh, living in Sydney in the inner west, there's a lot of great craft beer that was in and around where I was before I moved up here. So I was probably wishing it to happen. So what year was this? Uh, that was 2015 when I made the move up here. And just one brewery at that stage? Just the one, yep. So, yeah, I guess it's if you wish it, it will come. Is that a, is that a <laughs> saying? But yeah. I, I really did. I loved the Sunshine Coast and moving here has been one of the best things I've done in the past sort of 10 years. And I was like, geez, I wish there was a couple more breweries. And then they came. So what were you doing to keep yourself busy when only one brewery was there and you weren't doing brewery tours per se? What, what were you doing? I was doing tours to, there's a couple of wineries up in the hinterland, doing hinterland tours and tours up to Noosa, quite bespoke days out, visiting local restaurants and things like that. So the addition of the breweries was something I just brought into the fold. And, and as we got to sort of three, four and rumours of five and six, one of the brewers said to me, Josh, start up a brewery tour business. Why don't you create another brand? You love beer. You're passionate about it. We'll support it and we'll have our own brewery tour business here on the sunny coast. So can you name those ones that started up after the first one, after Sunshine, then which was the second one, the third one, the fourth one? I'll test you now. You are testing me. No, Sunshine Coast Brewery was the original gangster uh, with Greg out there at Cunder Park. And then Probably a tight timeline for second. Ten Toes and Moffat Beach Brewing were, were probably the next on the scene. Oh, yeah. As they were starting their, their new uh, new businesses up. Brew Ha Brewery was kicking off up in, in Mullaney. Yep. 
I'd, after that, I'd have to go yeah, back sure. and check. Well, mate, there's but... so many now. How many are there now? <laughs> I think we're at 21 now. This is amazing. That's in a period of under 10 years. Absolutely, yeah, in seven years. That's that happened. is such growth, isn't it? Absolutely. And what happened to places like, so I grew up here and back in the, I don't know when it was, the 1990s maybe, there was a place called Yamundi uh, that they had a beer that was a, a microbrewer or something like that, a thing called microbreweries back then, which are now, I think, craft beer breweries, aren't they? Just different terminology for different times. Yep, they were called microbreweries. And you're right, Yamundi did have a brewery there that was open in the late 80s. It was open for, I think, about two or three years before it actually went bust. But right. The, the Yamundi Lager. Mm-hmm. And, and there was another there was another beer they made too, a Noosa version of that. I can't think what it is, but it's it has reopened. So Yamundi, um, ah. that brand and that... Um, that beer itself has been remade. So inside the Imperial Hotel, yeah, that's where Umundi, it was. Yes, Umundi Lager and Umundi Brewery is now based. So the the brand has been brought back to life. Those guys have been operating, I think, again for probably close to five years now. Too. Right, no. They make exceptional beers out there and have a great venue for people to go and visit. So when I say micro breweries, which is what my terminology was for back then, where all of a sudden there was a pub, a venue, and it had a couple of huge vats at the back and they poured their own beer off the tap. Is that the the birth of the the craft beer industry? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, microbrewery, boutique brewery, they were names for breweries as they were coming up in the 80s, uh, even early 90s, because it wasn't such a big scene then. We've, We've got, I think we're over 600 breweries in Australia now too. So the growth's been exceptional. And I think Craft beer is a term that's been been thrown around for a long time, but I think more than anything, it's 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 a brewery. It's locally made beer too. That's something that's quite important. It's something we're very proud of on the Sunshine Coast. Independently owned. That's another great term too, independently owned. Yeah. Look, there's lots of terms being thrown around as the industry grows so quickly. And a lot of people want to know, is it locally owned? Is it independently owned? Is it made here? Can I see where it was made? Yeah. At the back of the brewery. So that's important for people too. So nowadays, under 10 years on from when there was just one brewery on the Sunshine Coast, what would a tour involve with you now? If you get somebody arriving from Melbourne or Sydney where it's cold or busy and they've seen all the... The pretty stuff on the internet, they turn up on the Sunshine Coast, the weather's beautiful. Where do you take them? Look, beer fans are beer fans. They want to know and they want to taste and they want to experience. So we've got three set tours. We run a coastal version, a hinterland version, and a Noosa version. Yep. And that visits four breweries, includes lunch, but they get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes tour. They get to know what goes on at that brewery. Why did they start? Why are they making what they make? Yep. They might even get to meet the brewer and hear more about the story behind that brewery. So it's an immersive Tour, it's a lot of fun, plenty of drinks included as well. It's a fun day out, but they learn a little bit more about the passion behind the the brewers and the the brands, and it's a scenic drive at the same time. Isn't the scenery unbelievable in this place? It it must be tough for you to let you love your beer, uh, you're taking people all around and you're driving them there and as sober as a judge. You (laughs) must struggle. Come on, tell me your struggle. There's a struggle. It's it's an interesting one because my mates in Sydney said, oh, you came up with the best idea ever. Ever for a business for you. You love beer. Yep. You've started this whole tour thing. That's so cool. Wait, hang on. You've got to drive the <laughs> bus. That's the worst idea for you ever. So look, there's hard days, absolutely. And especially when you've got a good crew on board, you want to have a beer with them. But when we get to the last stop and it's usually a, a craft beer bar, they're usually more than willing to buy me a beer. So I get to catch up with them and have a sneaky beer. But some days are harder than others, but other days it's a, it's a job and I'll, uh, it's like mowing the lawn for about six hours and have it, having a beer at the end. <laughs> it, you've, it, right, it's even better, isn't it? Because yeah. you've done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And have you got busier over the six or eight years you've been doing it as well? I imagine that 
Look, I, look, I've got to own up here. This is the first time we've met, but I remember seeing you at the brewery in uh, Fisherman's Road, a Sunshine Brewery, and I remember seeing you turn up in your van, and I think there were two punters on board. That was it, and you treated them like bloody royalty. I can remember saying to my wife, "Look at this bloke. This is amazing." And you've got two people to look after. Uh, I bet you don't often have just two people anymore. No, and look, early days, I, I was a man with a van, just myself <laughs> with one van driving around to, to showcase breweries and, and I was loving I could see all this potential of what was about to happen but the sunny coast was still growing too yeah. when I was first starting so yeah. look if two people turn up they're going to get a great day out if it's 20 people on a bus they'll get a great day out but we've we've slowly grown we've we built up to four vehicles and we wow. we hire some bigger coaches for corporate groups too so look it's it's been a rocky two years I won't lie yep. and we're still rebuilding post-COVID but so sunny coast is a great region to be and it's there's a spotlight on it for lots of reasons, and beer is one of them. Can you feel it? Can you feel that post-COVID pulse occurring? I can feel it. The region, you can see it. You can actually see it too. Airports are busy. Uh, hotels are busy. So there's a lot more people in region and talking about region. And once the international market oh. does actually come back, I know it's open, but it's yep. going to be a slow burn. Yep. They're coming here too. There's a lot of interest in the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, international students as well. Uh, it just doesn't stop, does it? And lots of infrastructure going on as well on the Sunshine Coast. You would have seen the place change too, I imagine. If you had to change your route because of the way where things have developed, like, you know, there's Yandina now, there's uh, there's places like that. You wouldn't have gone to Yandina at first, would you? No, when Torella have set up out there at North Arm, just, just outside of Yandina. So, yeah, we've updated our tour itineraries to be a, a smoother run and a, an interesting run and incorporate three or four breweries that are slightly different and offer something different too to the, the guests that come on board. Yep. So, yeah, look, we've grown as the breweries have grown. Uh, there's almost too many to go to now. We do a lot of custom tours where people request to go uh -huh. to certain breweries because right. they may have been to some others in the past. I've tasted this beer. I want to go to where it's made. Absolutely. Oh, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, what's the future for someone like you? Do you see it continuing? Can this growth that's gone on here on the coast with craft beers, independent brewers, can it continue to go at this speed? It's an interesting one. We're probably pretty close to saturation on the on the Sunshine Coast, and it's all about the venue and the venue experience. And I think the fact we've accommodated 21 breweries is because they offer something different. They yeah, might right. offer great food. They might offer different styles of beer. They might offer a relaxed setting. They might offer live music and quite a jovial setting to, to come along to. So the fact they're offering something different has made it sustainable. I think we're probably getting somewhere close to, to saturation, but the Sunshine Coast population is growing too. So if they can sustain, <laughs> if that keeps growing, then more venues can That's sustain. Point. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed anything in common with these brewers? You've met all of them here on the Sunshine Coast. Is there something in common between them all? Have they all got a certain perspective on life? Have they all got a, a goal, a dream that there might be this sort of thread running through them all? Well, at one point there were four of them called Matt. That was definitely a common theme. <laughs> be, the brewers, beer, beer mats. The, the brewers will have a laugh about that. There were quite, <laughs> there's still quite a few mats in the industry, but uh, look, they they definitely are really passionate about what they do. And I think you'd have to be. They're not making millions of bucks. They're they're passionate about brewing and making a quality product and giving people an amazing experience at their venue and pushing their beer further afield to to showcase great beer being made on the Sunshine Coast. So it's definitely a hard-working ethic and a whole lot of passion behind it too. That is that is a common thread for sure. And you would have seen some of them grow as well. I bet there's been issues along the way. For example, like getting cans done. You know, that I can't imagine that in itself. Sure, you brew this beer, then you've got to put it in cans. That must be – you would have seen some troubles and tribulations over that sort of stuff. 
It's a, it's a big stepping stone for breweries when they go from making beer to sell on site at yep. their venue. And then obviously they need to be able to push it out into the market and sell. So you've got to put it in package. So that means purchasing a canning line mm-hmm. or even hiring one in. There's a, a mobile business that will set up at some of our smaller breweries for a day, can their beer, move on to the next brewery, do it again. Others make a large investment in a canning line. There's a lot of, a lot of costs in getting you know, beer into cans and then still having a margin on it when you sell it at the bottle shop. So it's it's a nece- it's a necessity for brewers to be able to get their beer out there. It's an expensive way of selling it. One of the things I've also re- started to realise is that when I first started enjoying bespoke craft uh, independent beers, I was concerned about the price. But nowadays, I think even the more expensive ones, it's still actually quite relative compared to a schooner at the bar nowadays, you know, you know, seven bucks a can or seven bucks a schooner or something like that. You know, in the old days, it used to be, oh, you can get a Forex Gold for two bucks. But nowadays, I think it's really come down. The price margin has closed up. Would I be fair? And would that be accurate? Yeah, look, the cost of making beer is is increasing, obviously, with materials yeah. and things. So, I mean, you you will pay more for for craft beer for a a beer that is made on a smaller scale, for a beer that is made sure. with much fresher ingredients, mm-hmm. and for a beer, beer that tastes better, a beer that tastes better and is a quality beer. So, I look, I'm probably at an age where I'll I'll pay for quality over yeah. quantity. I don't yeah. need a thirty pack of beer anymore. No but I'll enjoy a couple of nice four-packs and maybe spend somewhere about the same amount of money. Same with wine. I'm not going to buy a cheap bottle of wine. I that's might buy a nice bottle of wine and enjoy it thoroughly. So beer is just giving people another option of a, a quality beverage to enjoy, I think, and you've got to pay for premium. Yeah, and it gives you a kick as well. Give you a kick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a double IPA will give you a yeah, kick. I, and that's, and the, look, I don't think that's talked about enough, by the way. I love getting a kick out of beer. I love it. A couple of beers in and there's just there's a little change in your brain and life's beautiful. I think that's really important. Yep, I, I would agree with that totally. It's a great way to, to socialise and in moderation it does make people relax in a social mm. setting. Mm. It opens up conversation. It builds better friendships and bonds with people. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, it's something that I enjoy and people are enjoying on different levels and, and craft beer just gives – I mean – the diversity of beers available now too means there really is a beer for everyone too. Well, you brought it up. You brought up this poison chalice. I'm going to ask you about beer diversity and what your favourite sort of stuff is. Where where do you start with saying, to, you must get asked all the time, oh, what's your favourite beer? All the time, all the time. It depends on the day, the time, where am I at, but the style of beer that I enjoy the most is probably an IPA, so an India Pale Ale, yep. nice big bold flavours. But again, it could be a stinking hot day and I might just want to enjoy a lager. We've got a great lager being made here on the, the coast from Heads of Noosa and, yep. and your Monday as well. And, you know, it, it really does depend on the, the day and the time and where I'm at, what kind of beer. But yep. an IPA is my my go-to, and there's usually a few of them in the fridge. My wife is really keen on the, the Heads of Noosa, the rice lager, the one that's Japanese made lager. the Japanese lager that's made on rice instead of wheat. And she honestly says it doesn't bloat her. She loves it. Yeah, it's a nice, light, and very well-made lager, and it's competing against the, you know, if you've got a 4X drinker, yep. he says, oh, I don't drink craft, mate. Yeah, well, you do. Give them the heads of noose lager, and they say, well, hang on, that's actually pretty good. So it's it's a craft beer for a long time was big, bold flavours and different styles that were not lagers, but in recent years, craft brewers have made some very, very good lagers because yep. it's a big part of the market. Yeah. What's the last craft beer you've had, the last one that's, Touched your lips. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was probably an IPA from Moffat Beach might have been the last thing Oh, I yeah, had. lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the deal with uh, can art? It's, it, everybody spends a lot of time and a few bucks, I imagine, on can art. 
Absolutely. And I think the can the can has taken over. I mean, bottled beer has sort of taken a little bit of a sidestep, although we, we talked about Heads of Noosa a second ago. They've got a premium lager. That does suit that bottle range on where they want to put it and how they want to position it. But cans are in vogue, and cans give you a nice piece of real estate to put uh, some design on it, if you think about it, okay? And if you look, if you think about years ago, you went to buy a bottle of wine and you wanted a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, and there's 30 on the shelf. Yep. Five of them will jump out of you because they've got a great, great yep. branding on. So wine's been doing that for years. Yep. Beer is, is now well and truly entrenched in good design yep. and great design and using local designers. We've got Black Flag Brewing here on the coast have some exceptional design and they've won some awards for their design. They use a local artist, Ross, who's who's very good at creating can design. So a lot of thought goes into it. Oh, Tentos. Tentos stand Tentos out to me. great designs too, absolutely. And they need to be because that, I guess that, that competition on the shelf, yep. again, is huge. You want to buy a pale ale, going to be 15 or 20 of them there. So you want to know what you want and something's going to jump out of you yeah. and maybe entice you to take it too. I, uh, I've, I got into canned beer firstly when I was in cans, believe it or not, not because of the name, just because they chill much faster. So you can have a warm beer sitting on your in your cupboard and it can be cold within 10 minutes, whereas a bottle can't do that. Mate, don't leave beer in your cupboard. What are you doing? Oh, good point. <laughs> I know, and nowadays I live in a unit and I like cans because to get rid of them, it's just so much easier. Yep. They're so much lighter. If I crush them, they take up far less space with the bottles, you know, I'm stuck. But each to their own, you know. I'm not saying one's better than the other, just what I happen to do. Lots with of advantages moment. with cans and that's why we've seen that uptake in it for sure. Yeah. If you had to have a beer to end off your night and you've had a good night and it's winter, what sort of beer would you have? We've painted the picture well for me because mm-hmm. that's what I need to know. If I'm going to choose a beer, right. I need to know what's what time of day is it, where am I at in my... See, I was aiming towards like a porter or something or a stout yeah. there. Yep. Is that- you've, you've got me. I'm probably going to go something big, big Russian imperial stout. Right. So a nice, big, heavy, thick, chewy number to... <laughs> To finish the night off, and it might be sitting somewhere around ten or eleven percent. So it's a big, it's a big beer, but it's one of those ones you'll just sip on and enjoy. Yep. I must also say that I mentioned my wife again. She loves nothing more than a sneaky late morning beer at lunch. You know, just before lunch, and she might crack a beer with me. We might share a tin. What would you be going for as you start lunch? Say you're overlooking the beach at a surf club, and you haven't done a lot in the morning. You want something light, refreshing maybe, what would you what would you go for? Light and refreshing, I'm going to have a very well-made lager, mm-hmm. perhaps to start the day, or even a sour. Now, I'm impartial oh. to a sour style of beer. I thought that would be the end of the night sort of thing. Oh, I think you can you can slot it into lots of different places, but it's a nice light and refreshing. Uh, Brouhaha make a strawberry and rhubarb sour, Ooh. which is exceptional. Yep. And it's a refreshing drink. It doesn't taste like what most people would think a beer will taste like, but it is a beer. It's right. brewed slightly differently. Yep. But it's very refreshing and tart and uh, on a warm summer's day, start the day. Now, I had a Tentos uh, recently and a sour beer because I, in my ex- three years ago when I had a sour beer, I don't know what it was, it was too sour. But I had a Tentos sour beer the other day and it was not too sour at all. There was a sourness to it and there was a citrus flavour to it, but I was definitely drinking beer still. Well, again, that comes down to the brewer. You can really adjust your product and your recipe to be stripping the enamel off your teeth sour <laughs> to a nice, light, balanced sourness too. So that really comes down to the style. And and again, it is it is hard for the consumer at the moment. They might try one sour and say, I'm never drinking one of them again. That was ridiculously sour. Yep. But they might try another one and say, well, hang on, that's more more down my path. So it's a little it's a little challenging for the consumer to see that and know that on the shelf. Pale ales and IPAs are the same. They yep. can vary 
considerably in their flavours. Yep. So I just encourage people to be adventurous and try. It's always confused me about an Indian pale ale and an American pale ale. I presume beer, beer's got a, a history with, well, Europe, Northern Europe, but also England as well, hasn't it? And I, I'm assuming it's got something to do with where those hops and stuff were sent, like in India and America. Is that where Indian pale ales come from and American pale ales, the name? Yeah, an Indian pale ale has its origins steeped in in sending beer from England to India. Oh, it does? It does, yep. Right. And same with American then? Well, the American pale ale, if you, if you think that that was quite a long time ago, current IPAs would not even resemble the IPA uh-huh. of those many years ago. But today, APAs or American pale ales and IPAs and West Coast IPAs and New England IPAs are all variations of that IPA style, right. which okay. is higher in alcohol. Yep. But then the the hop varieties they can use and the bitterness levels they use are all variable depending on west coast of the US, east coast of the US, and like you say, the hops they use and where they source them from. So beer is just this endless and limitless palette (laughs) of options. And that's why I love it. There really is a beer for everyone. And brewers only need to make a slight change to a very similar recipe to get a, a different end result. Have you seen them have to change much, the brewers here on the the Sunshine Coast? Have you seen them have to just tweak their product so that it remains fresh for their audience, their buying audience? Well, they'll they'll come up with seasonal beers. Um, You were talking about Tento Sours. They release a a culture kit range, which is a sour sort of every brew or every other brew. So you have your core range of beers, you go into the brewery, they'll always be there on tap. So you find your favourite, it'll always be there. You might see a seasonal beer available every time you go in too, which is something different. So that keeps the market engaged with something new to try each time they're there. Sunshine Coast is really famous for its ginger. You're seeing a bit of ginger uh, product uh, arrive on the market as well? Ginger's a tricky one with beer. I've seen, well, a lot of breweries are making a ginger beer, which is not brewed like a beer. Oh, right. Although Mundy did make a brewed beer yep. um, with, with ginger. Yep. I think it's a tricky one to add, but the ginger beer we're seeing today is sort of made from a raw spirit, I guess, with ginger added oh, to it. But okay. it's, it's a huge part of the market now. So every brewery pretty much has their own ginger beer they've made on site, but not so much in beer. Right. Now, I know we're talking about craft beers, but if you are arriving from down south somewhere, I reckon you'll be surprised by the distilleries we've got going as well on the Sunshine Coast. I think we're at 10 at last count. Yeah, we're, we're seeing requests for distillery tours on the rise, and they're working really closely with breweries. Two breweries will have local gin available at their tap room, and distilleries will have local beer available. So whilst they do things a little differently, we're all in the same industry and they're working working together well. Okay, what do you see uh, for the future now, the immediate future and then long term? Now that uh, COVID is well behind us as well, we're living with COVID a lot more than we were before. What do you see about the craft beer industry on the Sunshine Coast tomorrow and maybe in 10 years' time? Well, we've seen incredible growth already and I've seen maybe, what are we at, two or three breweries that have now opened a second production facility yep. so they can make more beer. There's a huge demand for beer. Sunny Coast beer is well and truly on the map. So I'd, I think that will continue to, to grow, the demand for beer around Australia from the sunny coast. Yep. Uh, and the experiences will just continue to get better in brew houses. Your mates have expanded and they're, they're creating a, a bigger taproom experience right down to some of the smaller breweries like uh, Mort's Brewery. I was out at Noosa Hinterland Brewing Co. yesterday out in Coran. So you've got these little towns with this great connection to their community and making great beer. So I think the experience you'll get in the taproom will continue to improve as well. And just on that, I noticed there's a lot of va- inverted commas value adding going on as well. A lot of breweries you go to now, they'll offer more than just brew. They'll offer food and maybe things to do, stuff like that. 
Totally. They're family friendly, tie your dog up out the front, have something great to eat. Some of them even offering really sort of high-end food options, live music, areas for the kids to play. You know, Torella, we mentioned before out at North Arm, I've got this huge farm farm set up and yep. on a Saturday morning that place is packed. <laughs> so, yeah, I think offering uh, a range of experiences has made breweries a little bit of a community hub. Once what the, the pub may have been, the brewery has become. All right. I, I can't ask you what your favourite beer might be because you love them all. I can ask you this. You've had a big tour. You've had uh, a couple of tours in the one day. You're pretty exhausted. You're puffed. Everybody's out of the coach now. you just got a quiet moment to yourself. You find a beach, sit under a pandanus to go and have a beer. Where are you? Look, I'm based down in Minyama, so somewhere in Malulabar or maybe Point Cartwright is a great little spot of mine. I might take the dog down there and walk around the point, but uh, it's a nice spot to, to sit. Maybe even Alex, Alex Headlands is a great spot up on the, on the grass there. We've got plenty of them, haven't we? Oh, there's so many, so many. Josh from Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours, thanks. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great craft breweries in our region, crack the top off the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's craft beer capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too.